0: Have you ever had the feeling that you're doing something that could be pretty big down the line? I feel like I have that feeling with this podcast. You know, I was researching some information about podcasts and, you know, over time how your podcast fares as you continue with it. And I've learned some pretty interesting information. One of those uh, tidbits being that You know, there's 550,000 podcasts uh, going currently, and 40 to 60% of those have not been updated. They're basically just dead space. So there's another half of podcasts that are going strong and continuing to put out new content, and I'm happy to say that we are a part of that. Um, I have always been someone in my life who I have always prided myself on being consistent, and being extremely hardworking, and when I want to move in a certain direction, I move towards it. Well, I'm pretty happy that we are now 24 episodes in, um, and I'm really excited about the lineup of people that we've had. And if you're enjoying uh, listening to this podcast, please subscribe to Dr. D's social network on Uh, Apple Podcasts uh, so that it pops up as soon as another one comes out and uh, putting out uh, two to three podcasts a week at this point and plan on continuing at least two a week at that pace and continuing with uh, talking to some amazing people. The guest for today uh, is Natalie Jaspers. Uh, Natalie and I had a really awesome conversation and Natalie is someone that I've actually met in person. Very few of the people that I interview or have conversations with, um, we've verily, very rarely actually met in person. I would say 95% are just phone calls we've had or we're meeting for the first time on the podcast. But Natalie, we actually met at a coffee bean in Las Vegas when I was visiting, and it was a really honest and raw conversation. And I think... You're going to feel that again with the conversation we have. We get into some really deep subjects. Uh, Natalie is a licensed social worker uh, working in some pretty amazing places, um, doing some really great work. So I hope that you'll enjoy our conversation today. Natalie Jaspers. Hey. How are you?
1: Good.
0: How's your day been so far?
1: It's been good. I just started a little bit ago. So.
0: Oh, I see. I see. It's been a while since we've chatted.
1: It has been a while.
0: So what has, what has, uh, what's changed the most since we've last chatted?
1: What's changed? Like, well, I told you I've been doing the energy work certification, another one. Mhm. Um, just been pra- working on my business and private practice. I did pick up. At like another agency as well. Just been working a lot.
0: That's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. It's really cool. Well, thanks for coming on here. I, uh, I think you know we talked well in person. Actually, one of the only people that I've had on the show or that I connect with that I've actually talked to in person at oh. some point.
1: Nice.
0: So you have the special the special connection because we've actually seen each other. What we look like in person. <laughs> And I thought it was a very interesting conversation we had in person. It was really cool. So yeah, definitely. And, you know, just agreeing to meet with me and just, just connect. I've been talking to a lot of people with just about the importance of and talking to people and just seeing where it goes, you know, over time. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about your beginnings and the work that you're doing. I think the audience, my audience, listeners, Connections. I I wanted you to be on because I think the work that you're doing is very interesting. And I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of value in it. So tell me a little bit about your motivation for getting into your line of work.
1: I think my motivation was not just to help other people, but because of some of the issues that I've been through in my life, I knew that I could have a greater understanding. And just help people walk through their difficulties and things that they're going through. And because I've kind of paved the way myself, it's a little easier to point someone in the right direction. Um, And just being around a lot of people that are pretty open about going through stuff in their lives too. So I have a lot of different experiences that I've not only connected with, but heard and studied and that kind of thing too. So I have a wide range of, Things that I have seen people cross over and walk through, and it just I'm here to support people. And I have a lot of awesome supportive people in my life as well. So, anything I can do to help support others in their growing process
0: well, life is a huge growing process. <laughs> I mean, crazy amount of things going on that you're dealing with on a regular basis. What would you say? when you're working with people is are some of the most common things that you're having to work with people on
1: relationships comes up all the time whether it's you know a spouse or a child or your boss it's it's definitely a common theme in everyone's life we all have hundreds of relationships that we deal with on almost a daily basis depending what you do for work or how big your family is or whatever's going on in your life. If, you're, if you belong to any groups, I mean, we relate to people constantly and people can constantly trigger us. So I think that's something that's common with everybody.
0: So do, you, do you, is it just a wide variety of relationships that you're working with people on or is it uh, quite a bit like romantic relationships?
1: You know, it's honestly whatever comes up in session. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of people I work with on how to relate to your kids and how to deal with a three-year-old toddler <laughs> driving them nuts at the moment, you know, Uh huh. or how to communicate better with a spouse or how to deal with your boss who's in a bad mood 80% of the time. It just right. it really just depends.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's. There's a wide range of things. You know, the whole term relationships are complicated. (laughs) Do you find that to be true, that term or that phrase?
2: You
1: know, I've seen some relationships that are not that complicated. So I don't think I I think people see themselves as complicated. And then we Mm. we create complications in relationship because of whatever's going on inside of us.
0: Oh, so instead of the relationship necessarily being complicated, you know, the people are making it complicated. They are complicated, bringing that into.
1: Well, you have two people coming together on whatever level. And like, you know, say I've got my baggage, you've got whatever your baggage is. And then we bring it together and we're like bringing some past trauma or past history, other relationships into it and then trying to navigate from there. So that's, I think, where it gets complicated because we have... You know what our history with other people and how they have treated us and our expectations of what- whether it's a husband or a child or a boss that how people are supposed to act, and then they don't act that way, and that's where the issues come up
0: right, right before I get into my next thing here I'm, there's so much to talk about <laughs> honestly um do you want I just just so everyone knows, tell us exactly what your um yeah, you know, your job is your license certifications just so people know. You
1: know. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. It's basically a licensed therapist. i it's for mental health. Um, but I typically try to my my passions are depression, anxiety, relationship issues, and eating disorders. Mm. So I just I've had my own private practice for about a year, but I also work with a couple different agencies doing like insurance clients that kind right. of thing I do and then I also work in the psych
0: hospital. So that's Interesting.
1: As interesting as it gets right there.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to that. I'll <laughs> we'll come back to that. So in relationships, so yeah, you know, I want to expand upon that. How do you feel that today's current, you know, like the the society we're living in has impacted relationships with people?
1: Well, I think social media is probably one of the biggest things that affects relationships currently, any kind of relationship, again, not just romantic, but, yeah, younger kids and how they hide behind their phones or social media and't they don't, they don't go get coffee with people. they you know, don't even talk on the phone, they text or it's, it's totally changed communication in relationships and being authentic, I think. And I think it's difficult for younger people and even older people now as, as we're hiding behind a screen to yeah. have that authentic, deep connection and the communication or go meet up with your friends in the park or something. Kids just <laughs> kids talk to their friends through video games. Now it's, it's very different.
0: So what are sort of, how do you help somebody who's, or, you know, teenagers or even adults to, to get better at those things?
1: I tell them to, you know, in if they're out and about, I told them to invite people to go get coffee or to go grab dinner or even go get drinks, whatever it is, go for a hike. And because I think, especially in Las Vegas, I hear that a lot, that people don't have a lot of friends and they don't have yeah. people. And I'm like, you need to get out of your bubble. You need to just ask someone to go get coffee, you know, with you. The The worst thing that can happen is they'll say no, but I, I think a lot of people have forgotten that it's okay to ask someone to go do something with you <laughs> in person.
0: I totally agree. Actually, I was telling, uh, I was having a phone call on my networking calls and I was saying, you know what's funny? is like, I feel like we've gotten worse or we're bad at asking people to do things with us mm-hmm. yeah. now. Like, like we're just so like, I don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. I don't know how to like start that. I'm like, it's called talking to people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think people are scared too.
0: Is it the rejection? Isn't that is that the common thing?
1: It's again rejection or past experiences.
0: Mm.
1: Maybe they met one person that was kind of a jerk and then they're like, oh well, I don't want to do that again. So it kind of then they shut down a little bit.
0: Why do people carry that so much with them? I've seen that so much with people I've chatted with over the years. Why
1: do they carry it with them? Yeah,
0: why is it such a big, huge thing? If somebody doesn't talk to you one time, and then you continue to m- kind of manifest that over and over again, yeah.
1: You know, I think a lot of that is our how the human brain is wired. Like, you can hear one hundred good things from people, but the thing that sticks out is that one negative thing you hear. Yeah. We just kind of amplify that, and then we project it, and we're like, oh well, I guess everyone's a jerk, and nobody's gonna want to. <laughs> people suck and it gets taken down that spiral yeah instead of like well okay this one person was having a bad day and didn't want to hang out i'm just gonna let it roll off
0: right right
1: but that is i hear that all the time too people and they internalize it and they take it personally like oh well i don't have any friends (laughs) are you making an effort to create any relationships
0: no so. It's strange. It's a strange dichotomy of, uh, you know, I want to have more relationships with people. I don't know how to do it. Me. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, how do you want something but then don't know how to do it in the sense of something like opening your mouth, talking to somebody. But then other hint sense, I think that I do get it in the sense that when you do open yourself up to people, sometimes they are very guarded and skeptical of you right. as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and the fact is, like I said earlier, people are not always going to act how we expect them to and maybe up to somebody and then you don't hear from them for a while and that might hurt you or, again, we take things personally. Right. So then we don't want to open up to the next person. Hmm.
0: What do you think the most difficult thing is about your job?
1: Besides paperwork?
0: Paperwork. Oh uh, I hear that from a lot of people doing what you do, but
1: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah,
0: the mountain of paperwork, right?
1: I think sometimes it's for me, honestly, if I'm having something go on in my life and I'm not in like the best state of mind and then one of my clients like triggers that. Mm. It's kind of like, if I'm not in a calm or peaceful state, like, I don't even want to go into session. I don't want to bring my own shit in there, you know? Yeah. So, so sometimes that's difficult because I'm human, too, and things come up for me. So
0: that I think that's hard. interesting. That's interesting. I think a lot of people, when they have a service or working with somebody, that they don't necessarily see the provider as another human being, but as somebody who should be on every single second. Yes. Of what you're doing. But I think that's very difficult. I mean, I face that myself as well. Yeah.
1: I definitely think people forget that. And because so, like sometimes my clients will ask me and they're like, oh, wait, no, no, no. You don't know anything about that. I'm like, I probably know a little more than you think I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So how do you balance? How do you how do you prepare to come to a session with your the best version of yourself?
1: Typically I try to meditate before I start work just so I can create that peaceful state within myself and then be very aware if anything is going on and then figure out what I need to do with that. Right. If I need to call somebody, I will call somebody. Oh yeah? pick like, <laughs> me up. <laughs>
0: Really? Have you so you've done that a decent amount of times or from time to time?
1: Well, I did, like I have my accountability partners and I have some mentors in my life. So, yes, if I do if I'm having a rough day, I will definitely reach out as well.
0: How did that start the accountability partners? How did that begin?
1: That I mean, I guess I have a couple different avenues of that, like people that I went to grad school with and supervisors that I had to have getting into this line of work. Mm -hmm. I've met a ton of people with different jobs and internships and practicums and all that stuff. So I have, I do have a lot of people that I can reach out to because they know what I'm going through and they're doing the same thing every day. But I also have, I've mentioned to you that community that I belong to in Denver Yes, where we're all doing self improvement stuff, and you know we all just work on ourselves constantly and consistently. And we can all—I reach out to them all the time as well.
0: So, what are those discussions typically like? If you know before you're going into session, and you're like, "Man, I just need a pick me up." What is that like?
1: Well, I was talking to one of my buddies this morning, and we were just talking about, you know, holding different um, emotional states, like. Peace, freedom, acceptance, instead of, you know, sometimes three annoying things will happen in the day and you get in this like cranky mood or Mm -hmm. just irritable or something. And we just talk about different ways to shift into, you know, being okay with stuff. Maybe not being super euphoric and happy at (laughs) times, but just getting into a space where you can continue your day and be much more pleasant. Then and cranky <laughs> Much. cranky um what's what i'm i don't know just being not being in a good place or yeah being in like the victim state where you feel like oh why is all this crap happening to me but you know it's just that's also just the state of mind
0: well explain that i mean that was kind of a uh uh, a catchword for me when i heard it, it as all victim state i mean do, are you do you experience that a lot with clients this this sense of this victim state all the time what's that about like what is
1: it's it's like you feel you have no control of yourself basically in that the universe or whoever and is just throwing this stuff at you whether it's you know, something that happened to you as a kid, or something that's happening happening to you now. It's not taking any responsibility or accountability for things that we're even participating or creating in in our lives. Like, say you get fired, and okay, that's that's difficult sometimes. I've been there, right? But that's like opening up fifty seven other doors that you could walk through. Hmm. That's giving you like opportunity to create. For instance, I was fired and then I started my own business shortly after. Right. So, but I've seen other people that do lose their job and it just, it spirals them down.
0: It takes them down a, a bad path at that point. And, yeah.
1: and they're like, you know, why God, why are you doing this to me? Or right? why does this only happen to me? This doesn't mm. to people. That's that victim mentality that I think a lot of people in our society are, um, they they believe it they believe that they don't have a choice in like the next action to take or that there's other opportunities or and maybe they created that maybe they weren't the best employee so they lost their job you know we just i think culturally we're we're taught to blame other people
0: i totally agree totally agree and you know i was i had uh, this lady named Sarah Dis, who was on my podcast is a big she is a public health researcher. And and it was starting to get in this conversation. One of it, one of the conversations was about meeting yourself. And the people are very reluctant to turn the mirror back on themselves. And oh, say, yeah. maybe I was part of the reason I got fired, type of thing. You know? I really don't see that much in people saying that. I've I rarely had a conversation where somebody goes, Oh yeah, that happened because I was garbage. Like I blew that big time. Like you don't hear that. I don't hear it at least. (laughs) Do you hear that? Ever people just be that honest about themselves? I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, sometimes yes. Once I once you kind of point things out to people, also, and this is why you have accountability part people in your life. Mm -hmm. Then they'll be like, you know what? You need to stop complaining. That was all you. And if you are self aware at all, you can be like, oh. Crap, you're right. I did do that. And yeah. then you start to just create a greater awareness in yourself of what you are doing. That can happen in relationships too. People get dumped and they, they take the victim's and it's like, well, okay, but you cheated 17 times. <laughs> right. You know, it's just a lack of accountability. I'm
0: sure that had nothing to do with the cheating 17 times.
1: Right, right. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah, I it's just interesting. I think the whole concept of being honest about yourself and what you contributed to, let's say, the failure of something. But I feel like people are very quick to contribute what they did well to contribute to something successful that happened. Uh, I did all these great things.
1: Sometimes it's painful to admit what you've done that caused a negative outcome.
0: What's the what's the painfulness about it? What do you think why is it so painful? I mean, I know this sounds like this obvious, but some people don't pick up on this stuff. I'm serious.
1: <laughs> well, like if you I guess if you're trained to just blame everyone else and then all of a sudden you have to take responsibility or accountability, you now, mm-hmm. now, you might feel like a jerk cuz you're like, "Oh man, I didn't treat people the best." And I don't want to be like that. And obviously, yes, now you see it, you can grow, and you can, you can be a different person at work or in your relationships, but I think at first, when you start realizing that you're causing these problems, it's really uncomfortable.
0: Right. You think it's an issue that people will start thinking like, okay... How, what, what people's perception of you. Let's say you say that to somebody you know qu- quite well that you're the reason for these things or you're afraid that what they're going to start thinking about you now because you've admitted these things.
1: Yeah, that's, that's possible too, that then people are going to start judging you. or But I, I think if you have the right people in your corner that are willing to point things out in a um, constructive way, Mm -hmm. then you don't really have to worry about that.
0: That's a good point.
1: But if you have someone who's also stuck in that blame victim mentality, then that's not, that's not going to go anywhere good. No. They're also not taking accountability for themselves. If you have people around you that are willing to be responsible for their own actions, then, I mean, you can, everyone can grow from that. Everyone can learn
0: Right. What about when a person is self-aware, but they still don't do anything about it?
1: Oh, those are awesome. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yes.
0: Do you run across that?
1: I do. And th- those are the people that stay in their cycle and beat themselves up over it, too. Hmm. know what they're doing. They're very aware. And that, that's also what I would consider painful. You're just sitting there punching yourself in the head for doing the same thing over and over again, even though you know you're doing it.
0: Would that be part of, I know that you deal with, um, you know, a variety of things, but like, I wanted to move into, uh, addiction. I know you deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that part of the addiction process potentially?
1: Yes. Um, and that can be an, an addiction to anything that can be, this happens with eating disorders. This can happen with drugs or alcohol, sex, video games whatever it's like even though you might have done some work on yourself to create that awareness or to be mindful of it you still walk right into it again yeah it takes either enough pain or rock bottom as they call it to get you to change or you have to really 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 work at something if it's if it's that deep of a pattern and you have to be super committed to changing it. So right. one way or the other.
0: With rock bottom, you know, it's, it's interesting. Do you feel that when people are going through difficult times that, that a lot of people you think hit rock bottom or that they just never get there? Or, you know, I'm just curious because, you know, you think, oh, somebody is like, okay, that has to change them. They went through that. No, no, that has to do it. Do you think that's necessary for somebody to change, no. generally speaking, or no?
1: Generally speaking, yes, but no. <laughs> if that, right. But I think for a lot of people, they have people around them that are enabling them. That is a big part of addiction, whether it's family or, you know, a spouse, a kid. Somebody's there like saving their butt all the time. Right. So they don't ever hit that rock bottom for themselves and it's rock bottom just means like you're you're alone this is all you have you have and it quite possibly is nothing but if you have someone that keeps bailing you out or many people then you don't learn that lesson
0: have you seen um the movie uh beautiful boy before
1: i don't know i don't think so
0: it's, it's amazing. Um, Steve Carell is in it. You know, normally he's like in funny movies and stuff, like 40-Year-Old Virgin all that. But this is a really serious movie. It's a couple hours long. And uh, it's on Amazon um, Prime, like video.
2: Okay.
0: And uh, I, it, there, I was given, it was given like tremendous, like high ratings, like super amazing movie. So, oh, I'm going to watch it. And when it's, it's about a father and son, you know, they kind of have this idyllic relationship growing up. They're, you know, really close, and then the son gets into crystal meth uh, addiction, mm-hmm. and it the whole movie is basically about the father trying to save his son over and over <laughs> again, and um, basically I don't I don't know think that this would spoil it if you haven't seen it. Sorry everybody, but uh, basically there's a point where he stops enabling his son, and is like I can't help you anymore, right, and his son hits rock bottom from what basically how you describe it. He's alone at that point. And, uh, it was very scary watching it just like, man, just how, you know, in this case, drug addiction. But I think sometimes we get this concept of like that drug addiction, that addiction is like a drug addiction,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, or al- you know, alcoholic type of thing, but there are many other forms of that. Yep, and definitely, I think people overlook that a lot of times, you know, there's
1: unlimited forms of addiction.
0: Yes, I mean, a lot of people are on that smartphone addiction. Okay. You know,
1: Instagram addiction. Yeah. Exercise addiction. Yep. Food. Anything that kind. It's amazing. Of- I think we get addicted to things because we're so uncomfortable feeling negative emotions that will do anything to mask them, anything to hide them. Hmm. Even though they're perfectly normal, and we all have them.
0: Why, why are we trying to, why do you think that is, like, uncomfortable with negative emotions? Can you explain that a little bit more?
1: So people don't like feeling sad. That's why we have antidepressants, okay. because nobody wants to deal with it. Even though it's a natural human response to anything. It just depends what the trigger is, you know. People, we lose people, we go through breakups, our pets die. Like we are supposed to get sad, right? It's a natural thing for humans to experience, but somewhere along the lines, people were like, "Oh, nope, that's bad. We don't have to feel that. Let's do this instead." <laughs> so whether it's getting on antidepressants long term, don't feel sad. Um, yeah. Do, I don't know, crystal meth. You don't have to feel anything, right? Alcohol, yeah, whatever. You're just blocking all of those feelings that we, we somehow started believing that we're not supposed to have.
0: It's crazy, actually. You know, but it, it kind of drives me into my next thing, which is I've had these conversations about social media and how the portrayal of this happy, happy life all the time. And I think it's just it's perpetuating this whole myth that you should be happy that you should always look at my look at my life i'm so happy you know yeah it's and it's such a and i think it's painting a really bad picture for people because those people aren't happy all the time it's just not your vacation's not a hundred percent amazing constantly on it i mean
1: right well, and,
0: and I think we're just feeding people bullshit all the time with this stuff.
1: Bullshit. Nobody's happy 100% of the time. Nobody is always doing 100% well. You know, we <laughs> all have stuff going on. We're human.
0: Yeah. Oh, Sad, you're right. Sadness is normal. It's normal to have that normal. at some point here and there, you know?
1: Anger. Anger is totally normal, but especially, you know, it's like the little boys don't cry and little girls don't get angry. We're taught that from a very young age. Like do not feel these things. Yeah. So then not only do we not know how to feel them, we don't know how to express it. And then we hit teenagers and our hormones and emotions are out of control. And that's when people start trying to cover it up with stuff, whether it's social media or drugs, sex, alcohol, you know, they Nobody taught us until we start seeking ourselves, maybe in our twenties, thirties, some people in their sixties, how yeah. do I, because how do I don't even know what I'm feeling. I didn't know what I was feeling when I was in my twenties. Yeah. I reached out to therapists and I wanted to learn because I did not feel good. We'll just say that lightly. You know, I started taking some, yeah not the best pathways and nobody, nobody ever taught me. And I think that's like 99% of kids. And then we grow up and, like I said, we go down the wrong path because we don't know what we're feeling and we have all of these feelings and we don't know what to do.
0: Well, it could be also, I think, I mean, totally agree. But it's interesting, like, do you ever talk about it from the the aspect of kind of the parental involvement, kind of the genesis of people, you know, like who they come from? Right. And how those people might be completely jacked up and then they're putting their they're dumping their shit all over their kids. Yep. You know. One hundred percent. I mean, I've seen that several times. And I mean, I was fortunate. I grew up with extremely competent parents. Uh, and I just talked to them before this, you know, and very successful and, you know, did a lot of the right things, at least in my opinion. And I think emotionally were very good with me. Growing up, but I've seen the opposite many, many. Uh, and, and from my experience, the opposite is way more common from what I've seen. Yes, definitely. And so do you ever broach that with people? You know, you talk talk about their parents and stuff like that. All the time. All the time. I parent issues. I'm telling you. My
1: favorite is when I have young parents with young kids and I'm like, you need to start teaching them about this now. Hmm. And then they have a chance. <laughs>
0: So what are you telling them to teach their children?
1: Ask your kid what he's feeling to, you know, show mm. him one of those posters with the emo- not emojis on it, but like the facial expressions. And this, like, this is anger. This mm-hmm. is sadness. Ask them what they're feeling. You know, don't tell them, Oh, you're a little boy. You're not supposed to cry. Right. Don't tell them you're a little girl. Don't be too excited. <laughs> you're literally teaching them to just suppress everything.
0: Yeah. And st- wow.
1: Accepting it and, and letting it out. And then moving forward. You know, our from what I've learned, a, an emotion has lasts 90 seconds physiologically without being driven by more thoughts or stories. Mm-hmm. So if we can just accept a feeling and actually feel it, it'll last like a minute or two.
0: Ah, I never heard that before. It's and, interesting.
1: But we can drag it out as long as we want. (laughs) If you can't let go of something you're sad about that can turn into being depressed for like five years. And if we really knew how to get in there and deal with it and just feel it, it could last a few minutes.
0: It's amazing. You know, I think the antidepressants, you know, and basically numbing people from feeling Mm -hmm. their normal feelings. And you think if somebody's been on something from their early 20s and they've been on their 20 years, how do they even know how they normally feel as a person?
1: They don't. And I mean, there's, there's five-year-olds on antidepressants now, which is, whoa, yeah, but they say they have a, you know, mood dysregulation. It's like, how do you know that that young? I mean, cause the parents can't deal with them having feelings because they don't know how to deal with their own basically. So the kid acts up and then they bring him into a psychiatrist or a doctor and say, fix him. And Hmm. once again, not taking accountability.
0: Wow. That's so young. I've never heard of that. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
0: So then, so so you have this kind of like this uh, emotion suppression soup. Yeah. That that people (laughs) are all soupy and they grow up. And they have all these weird lack of emotions, and then they meet another human being that they feel attracted to, and then they come together, and their emotional suppression like becomes a superpower amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And then you're then they're uh, then they're coming to see you, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: right? Sometimes
1: it's like screaming in my office together. Really? <laughs> yes, it has happened. Several times.
0: What's that like, I mean, experiencing that?
1: Typically when that happens, one person's done and the other person is not. Hmm. So. They're wow. Not, they're not hearing each other. They're not communicating well. Um, they're so angry and they're so triggered that they're not seeing the other person for what's actually going on. Yeah. They're seeing whatever they're still pissed off about from six months ago, you know?
0: Wow. it's a long time ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Some people, it's years. Wow. But, you know, if you get two self-aware individuals that are on the same page, um, couples counseling goes a lot more smooth.
0: Not a lot of yelling then, huh?
1: <laughs> Maybe like a raised voice here and then, but, you know, you can redirect them to like, hey, hey. Right. I understand you're angry, but let's communicate from a loving space.
0: So how has this affected your personal life?
1: I just I get more and more awareness every time I see myself in a client. Hmm. Whatever however they're reacting to something or when they tell me about their past and I'm like, Wow, that's so similar to mine. It's just it's very eye opening for me. To to realize that whatever, if it's an energetic thing that I'm just resonating with people that want to come into my office, or if it's maybe it's just the human condition. We all have a lot of things in common. And I think we forget that and we we get into that individualized, oh, you know, my experience is so much different from everyone else's when it's really not. And I, I think that makes me relate to my clients a lot more and understand them because you, you have something in common with everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're not alone. I think this concept, people feel like they're alone and like,
1: mm-hmm. you know, I'm
0: just going through this. But there's so many other people that are experiencing similar things.
1: Billions. Billions.
2: <laughs>
0: yes. And, and and that's why I think sharing stories is really important. And because somebody will go, wow, like it, I'm not by myself in this thought, and this feeling that I have.
2: Yes.
0: So do you feel like this stuff is like, how, how do you approach? I'm gonna, we're going to go a little deeper here. You, you don't have to answer anything I ask you, believe me. It's just, I just ask the questions. That's all I do. <laughs> but, uh, how do you approach romantic relationships based off of your line of work at this point?
1: At this point, that's kind of a t- tricky one for me, honestly. Uh-huh.
0: Um, that's why I asked it. <laughs>
1: I, w- I would say that's personally been one of my stickiest, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know, issue and something that I have not yet overcome. Where mm-hmm. I, you know, I've experienced healthy relationships, but I've, I've experienced a lot of unhealthy ones too, which, yes, makes me better at my job because I can understand what people are going through because there's a lot of not healthy relationships going on in the world. Um, but also it's, it's given me a space to learn, uh, about myself and just the kind of things from our own experience that get us into these relationships that are maybe not the best for us or something that's holding us back also.
0: think that people are too concerned with the the physical attraction of another person versus the emotional connection
2: i
1: i not everyone i i would say like 50 percent of people Hmm. are very focused on that sexual attraction to somebody and i'd say that like the older people get they kind of that dissipates a little bit right but definitely for younger people that's number one that's what they value the most is having an attractive partner. Right. And it doesn't matter if they're a complete disaster, they're like, <laughs> oh, you know, he's hot, she's hot. So <laughs> the chemistry's good.
0: Yeah, you know, the passion's great, you know, it's great.
2: Right.
0: But it's but it you know, it's I think it's but it's almost this uh, incredible I mean it's important, obviously. Um, but that I think it also masks the emotional element, which is incredibly important for the long-term stability of the, of something. And that's why I think it's kind of crazy sometimes when, you know, a person's in their really early 20s and, um, you know, they, they think they know what they want, but they really don't even know themselves at that point. It's very weird to me, actually, I think. I actually... I mean, I, I got married, I was in my mid twenties and, uh, it was kind of like right on that line where my prefrontal cord frontal lobe was just developed basically oh, type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, it's like, how do you know what you want? If you, you, you are not actually the best at making decisions at that point, you know?
1: Well, I don't even think people are comfortable in their own skin until they're like 30. Right. So then I, I, it depends who you ask, but people are just not completely mature maybe ever maybe we just continue maybe ever
0: interesting
1: but yeah how do you you know who you are at 20 is not going to be the same as 30 and you know somebody I would have picked to date when I was 25 is not going to be the same person I picked to date now right so yeah those things change and if you're not with somebody that's willing to mature with you down that path then it's going to end.
0: Well, it's interesting. Like, um,
1: Relationships ending, that's a big freaking lesson in life. Huge. It makes you grow probably faster than anything else, I would say.
0: I definitely would agree with that. I mean, that's something a lot of people have experienced. It's just, you know, I I, I see kind of the trend or people getting married a lot later in life now. Right. Which in many ways I think is a good thing, honestly. I mean, really take your time to... I mean, I don't think I started making really good decisions till I, was like, till I was, like, 33, honestly. Yeah? Seriously. I was, like, I mean, I was decent at it, and uh, thank goodness my marriage has worked out really well. And I was in my uh, early, mid-20s, but I feel like, you know, I was kind of stupid in my 20s, generally.
1: Everyone is stupid in their 20s.
0: Like, really, like an idiot, honestly.
1: <laughs> there, I mean, you, once in a while, I, I will meet someone in their 20s who just has their shit together, and they're not partying, they're not, like like things just are lined up for them and they it's have pretty a rare head on their shoulders, but it's rare. <laughs> and I'm always amazed by them. Cause I definitely, that was not me.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I think I was like 75% there in my twenties, but you know, I made some stupid decisions, but most people I'm like pretty stupid during that time. Yeah. And you think you're so amazing. You're like, Oh, I'm amazing. And I'm like,
1: and you know, everything
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty much stupid. so people getting married later to me is actually I think a great thing because I think you'll you'll make a nice combat you'll make a like in terms of romantic relationships you'd like to think when a person gets older they'll make a decision based off of a variety of factors not that how hot the other person is completely you know right yeah well I think
1: once you get out of your 20s when your hormones are still kicking your butt too (laughs) that you can make wiser decisions on like what you want for the long term what you know values you you share with somebody how you connect emotionally do you have the same family values like do you want the same things you have the same goals instead of like oh he's cute to look at (laughs) you don't that like and good sex with somebody just clouds judgment too it does Everything else goes out the window. Like they could be a terrible person, but you have this good physical connection, and like that's all that matters.
0: When you think about it too, like although it you know it is certainly an important part of a relationship, it is one of the smallest amount of times you're spending with the person throughout the course of your time. If you're with somebody for a long time, I mean, yeah, it's part of it, but. You're spending way more time in just the daily living aspect, right? Of things, especially as you age and things, you know, it's like. And I think people look at the, they look at, uh, especially like like the wedding and stuff. You know, it's like there's this destination, It's called the wedding, but they're not ready for the actual marathon, which is the marriage aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about marriage? You know,
1: I. I don't think it's as necessary today as it has been. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know like quite a few people in long-term really happy relationships and they don't really, they don't want, they don't have the desire for the wedding and the paperwork and whatever along with it. And I think, I don't think marriage changes the relationship. And I think some people do believe that, Mm -hmm. but I think it's to each their own. If you want to, get married cool if you need that extra little layer of stability or you know saying that this person's never going to leave or I'm never going to leave them and but I don't know I've seen it work just as well without actually being married right so if you want to do it do it if you don't that's cool too <laughs>
0: Like I'm gonna do. There's both sides of this, so that's your personal opinion about it.
1: That is my personal.
0: Interesting. You would do one or the other potentially.
1: I'd say okay. If I was with somebody that really wanted to get married, I'd probably do it. You know, just for them. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, it doesn't change the relationship. Right. But if they're like, no, that's not really my thing. I just want to be in a committed relationship, and but I'm gonna be loyal and you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really change things.
0: Right. Like,
1: you're living together and you own stuff together. It's basically
0: the same in my mind. Yeah. So, so do you think today, so less, again, people are waiting longer to get, to get married. Do you think the public perception of marriage is changing amongst, especially yeah. amongst younger people? They're yeah. like, Hey, I'm not into this, you know? Yeah.
1: 100%.
0: Why do you think that is? I think because
1: of the divorce rates and because of online dating and how everyone has so many friggin' options now (laughs) that they're like, I think a lot of the young kids from what I've heard, like 20 year olds, we'll call them young kids, but yes, they, I think they do want to be in relationship, but they have no idea what it like a long-term relationship should look like. You know, there's because of like, All this reality TV crap also.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We are modeling so many unhealthy relationships. Totally true. (laughs) How not to do it. But then they think that's just how it is. So I think they're totally freaked out about getting married because they, they don't want it to go that direction. Right. As well.
0: You think they're learning kind of this. They're being taught basically kind of like a hookup culture. Yes. Uh, and, base, you know, what I uh, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I have um, one of one of my uh, connections is um, a clinical psychologist, and she really is into studying like millennial behavior mm-hmm. and also disordered eating and stuff like that. And she said there is um, three big research emphasis on millennial culture that have been really interesting that she's like fascinated by. And one of them is – all all of them blew me away kind of. But the first one she said is sexual dysfunction among among millennials is pretty high.
1: Well, and Uh, how they keep having those studies saying that younger people are having less and less sex. But once again, they're hiding behind their phones. Like you actually have to hang out to have interviews. (laughs) You can can do it through the phone kind of, but –
0: Well, yeah, but (laughs) –
1: yeah, they're even that, up less. Than-
0: that's crazy. I never heard, I didn't hear that. So they're, they're having less sex because they're not talking to people. Right. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So so what I've, you know, what she's been relaying to me and some of the research is that, that also that in, in this generation, I mean, I don't want to bag on them because a lot of people bag on millennials. I'm just sharing what I've what I've heard. Um, because I, I know a lot of wonderful millennials, really awesome people, but that they're, they have a hard time. I I plan on being transparent when I do the show all the time. So I just kind of say whatever, um, that they're having a hard time. Like the guys keeping it up because they watch a tremendous amount of porn.
2: Okay. Um, and,
0: uh, that's like a huge porn generation because it's very easy for them to get porn, uh, Mm -hmm. today versus like when I was growing up, it was very difficult. To get porn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's, I've read studies on that too, where it's like, if, if you're used to watching something a certain way and then you're coming into having a sexual experience with a mm-hmm. real person, it's so different that they're, right. it's jolting their brain. Their brain's like, well, I'm not turned on by this. It's not the same as that. So yeah, it's creating sexual problems because of that.
0: It's crazy. Uh, wow. Um, and then the other thing, another thing was that, you know, just forming relationships, what we were talking about is just inability to form meaningful relationships
2: mm-hmm.
0: because of the fact that, you know, you're hiding behind the phone and you just don't know how to talk to another human being. So like you said, you're modeling, people are modeling these really strange online TV based behaviors that right. are really dysfunctional. Yeah, and their
1: parents were probably had dysfunctional relationships too. So they have not seen healthy relationships.
0: And it's interesting, like, even, you know, if somebody says, Oh, their parents have been together for a long time. That doesn't mean they were happy. No, either. Or- you know, that's a huge facade. Oh, they've been married 40 years. That doesn't mean they are, it's a loving relationship
1: or healthy. Know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so then, so then they see their parents having these garbage relationships, but then they took it and stayed together because maybe they were afraid to be alone and actually have to do the work of meeting another person potentially and talk to people. Come back to talking to people.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's interesting, the whole being afraid of being alone, but not wanting to reach out.
0: I just I think it's it's weird to me because it's like wait a minute, you want this on one hand, but on the other hand, you won't do this to get the thing on the other hand. <laughs>
1: like it's like it's like we created an entire generation of introverts. Yeah. Uh, and you know you're an extrovert. You can hang out with introverts with ease. Me too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Of like course.
1: Them, it's
0: awkward. It's very awkward. I mean, like when I met you. You know, we met at a coffee shop in Vegas. I wasn't sitting there thinking like, I wonder what I'm going to talk to Natalie about. Right. I don't, I, I don't know. Like, is it going to be like weird? I never think anything <laughs> like that ever. Sure. I go, people are interesting. We're going to have some small talk in the beginning and something they're going to say is going to trigger me to think of something else to talk about. And we're just right. going to have a conversation because that's called conversation. You
1: know. <sighs> That's how talking
0: works. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to teach people how to talk yep. to each other? I
1: think, yes, we do.
0: And so, you know, and it just, you know, it just kind of rolls from there. It's like this ball that gets rolling and you start talking and then you get kind of deeper and deeper. And, and like, it's just like this podcast. I did this podcast because I knew I would have something to talk to about every single person because everybody has something going on. Mm-hmm. Something. And it's interesting. I have a lady coming up in like a month who is an airline. Is in the airline industry. She's like a flight attendant, and I'm sure she has awesome stories. Now, of now, so you get this, right? So I'm talking to her on the phone yesterday about the show, and I said, and she goes, "Why do you like?" I'm, I was just kind of like, "Oh, you want to speak to me?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "You've been in the airline industry 19 years, and I'm telling you, there's a lot to talk about." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like your experience on the other side, I only have the consumer experience. Yeah. You're actually working. You know, people want to know what's happening behind the scenes. You know, in these things.
1: Well, and even how like the airline industry has changed recently. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's been fun for the employees.
0: I'm sure it's great, right? I yeah. mean, <laughs> and then you know, unruly Pat. You know, I was just reading uh, some articles about you know how they're trying to figure out. Alcohol on planes these days, because people are so unruly when they drink on the plane too much. You know,
1: especially on the the planes to Vegas.
0: Of course, I've, you and I—you've been on the flights. I've been on the flights. When people come into Vegas, they lose their mind on the way there. there they are, lose it.
1: The last flight I was on here, somebody snuck in their own alcohol, and they almost, <laughs> didn't, they almost didn't take off.
0: Wow! So yeah. wow, and you know, people like. You know, when you first the first time you ever go to Vegas and stuff, you know, you get you know, you get the, you get the rush, you know, and the whole thing. Hey, oh, woo. Woo, yeah. I want to drink on the plane a lot. and this all this stuff. You know, I want to get ready to roll. But, you know, when you're on the plane for like the hundredth time and you're coming back to Vegas and you're like, and you just- I just want to go home. <laughs> you know, when I did live there, I was like, I just want to go home. But then you see everybody else are coming for like the first time or whatever. Yeah. And the plane's loud and people are just getting hammered, you know. <laughs> just just destroyed on the plane. You know? Oh. And you're I'm like, man, that guy's gonna have a bad night. I know it. He's gonna go bad.
1: He's gonna lose a lot of money.
0: <laughs> a lot of money. You're gonna look at his bank account the next day. you like, what happened? What well it started on the plane when you had like 10 Jack and Cokes. <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and you know, it's just so I think it's interesting, you know, it's like, how do you guys deal with that? You know, unruly passengers, you know, you know, people don't put their phones away. You know what? I just got tons of questions. There you go. You know, because people are interesting. There's people are idiots half the time, too. They do weird stuff. <laughs> and, you know, there's a story there. And I want to know about the stories. And a lot of people do, too. They just don't know how to talk to people to ask them this thing.
2: Right.
0: You we know,
1: have like classes around the country, like basic
0: communication, 101. on for- yeah. it's crazy. You know, what helped me is when I was in college, I took basic counseling
1: okay.
0: and, um, and I wanted to take, it. it was an elective, you know, and we used to, um, have these kind of exercises we did in class where you would speak face to face to somebody, you know, kind of one-on-one. And then you would speak, you would turn your back on each other and speak that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we did all these things, you know, get, getting really comfortable with speaking one on one. You know, I took interpersonal communications classes like you, you literally have to teach people how to speak to each other. It's you, you may think you got a mouth doesn't mean you know how to use it.
1: <laughs> I agree with you. And even like the content that you. Or the authenticity, like you have to learn some of that.
0: You do. You definitely do. I mean, we're both in professions where you're talking to people.
2: Right.
0: And, you know, somebody asked me, they go, well, I, you know, when you train people or you're in business meetings with people, I'm like, like, how do you keep things going long term? I was like, well, you have to be interested in the other per- other people or persons. And, you, you know, if I'm with somebody and I know they love gambling, I make it a point to learn about gambling. Now, I'm not into it. It's not my thing. But I will Try to learn the ins and outs of it. I'll ask them questions of, oh, what's a parlay? You know, you're betting the money line. Tell me about that. What does that mean? And it immediately makes them so excited to talk about it. They're so excited.
1: But and the easiest way to talk to somebody is just ask them a question. Yeah. What are you into? What (laughs) what lights you up? And you'll have like an hour conversation.
0: Easily. Because people love talking about themselves once you get them going. I mean, they're, like, pumped to talk about themselves to <laughs> get it going.
1: Yes. That's
0: why I tell people, like...
1: Or you can yeah. ask them what really pisses you off. That'll get them going, too. You
0: know what? That's a good question. What really pisses you off? Me? Yeah.
1: Um, Vegas drivers.
0: Whoa. What about it?
1: <laughs> I have been in... Okay, last April and this April, I was hit by other drivers, and... They were both aggressive, like yelling, screaming, and getting out of the car, even though they it was their fault. Mm-hmm. And then they they both lied to their insurance companies that saying it was my fault. Wow! So then I had to wait for the stupid police reports and all the liability crap. And like my car is in the shop right now from an accident I was in in April.
0: Oh, oh April! Wow, jeez! So
1: I just I like oh my god, drivers here really are
0: not cool. <laughs> wow, that's the biggest thing, huh? That pisses you off,
1: right now today, yes.
0: So for today, oh, that could change though, right? Yeah. Wow, yeah. interesting. I would say, what pisses me off—I think what pisses me off is—is is the thing that's literally always pissed me off. It has been a consistent pissing off for like twenty plus years. All right. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. I don't like last-minute stuff. Like when people do things last minute, it really bothers me, like oh. a lot.
1: Interesting.
0: Like you know, of like I'm a big like preparation person. I like to get to the movies like 45 minutes before it starts. Uh-huh. I want to get all my assignments done. Like when I was a student, like very early. You know, I don't want to have homework. I want to work on it early. You know, I, you know, I'm, I want to be very organized when I do things. I want to make sure I have the appointments, and check that they're on time, whole thing. And for some reason in my life over the past 20 years, I've, I, I meet, I meet a ton of people who are like just last minute with everything. Uh-huh. It's like, man, why do you put, and then they complain about it. I'm like, well, you wouldn't be so flustered if you didn't do this last minute, you know? I don't know why it bothers. It's not, you know, it's not like I am, cont- you can be like, oh, I'm going to change your life. and People are going to do what they're going to do. You yeah. know, like it's, I can't force them to change. But man, it's just like, I don't like when people complain about it. I'm like, why don't you just own it then? I'm
1: like. Why don't you just take some accountability? <laughs> just say, hey,
0: you know what? I don't want to plan ahead of time. I'm just going to kind of do it last minute. I'm going to turn everything in the last available second. Yeah. And I'm good with it. You know, I'm like, eh. I don't know. That that's yeah, I'm gonna start asking that question to more people. That's an interesting question. You know.
1: Well, it's kind of like people that are on time, and then people that are not on time.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just like a different value system.
0: I think so. Some I think people
1: are so. fucking late, and you can expect that. And like, <laughs> it's never gonna change. Even <laughs> you know them for years, I've always be thirty minutes late. I used to have a friend that was always two hours late.
0: Whoa, 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 and then, two hours.
1: Oh, yeah. But and then there's people that are on time or early and then they just get so angry with the late people. And then it's like, <laughs> why are you angry when you know how they are at the same time?
0: Just don't have a meeting with them. <laughs>
1: you know, like, or just tell them or just, yeah, or whatever. Tell them
0: a different time that, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like see, I'm always a person. I'm always there before the other person. Always. I'm like sitting there
1: all right you are
0: <laughs> yeah you, you know you saw i was there man yeah. you know and i'm also a person like see I'm, I'm i'm like a two-sided person when it comes to social media like i use not i only have linkedin really but or like what I, I shouldn't say social media I'll say technology like smartphones like i, I like using them i'm using it for my show and everything but like when i'm talking with somebody i leave my car my phone in the car I don't even want to see it. I don't want to be around it. I don't want it to interrupt my conversational Mm -hmm. flow. But I'm often around a lot of people who their phone is sitting right in front of me when I'm talking to them. I will say that bothers me quite a bit.
1: Or, or or if they're texting, like half the combo. Yeah,
0: and they pick it up and they're like, "I'm like, "Uh, hello, I'm here, you know, (laughs) like uh, I'm talking to you." And I think that's ruining um, conversations too. You know, it's it's like man. Well, you know what it is. I I heard I heard about a pretty fun game you can play. I'm going to share this with everybody. I haven't played it, but I heard it the other day. It's a game called Stack. All right. I'm going to lay it out for you. I don't know if you've heard this, but if you're at dinner with a bunch of people and they all have their phones with them, you say we're going to play this game called Stack. So we're all going to put our phones on top of each other in the middle of the table. And the first person who answers their phone has to pay for the entire bill for everybody. Nice. So if you want to answer that stupid text that badly, you'll be paying for my drinks and my dinner. <laughs> Let's go.
1: That's a good idea.
0: <laughs> right? I just heard it on a on a podcast, and I was like, this is genius. <laughs> like, if they don't want to play, then I guess, you know, we're not doing this then, <laughs> you know. You got to teach people things, seriously. Uh, you just you left your own devices you'll make up shit you know true that's what kids get in trouble when they don't have structure growing up they just make up stuff you know agreed (laughs) you're like jumping off this clip sounds fun
1: (laughs) yes but that's also how we learn things right
0: yeah that is true you do learn unless you're dead when that happens (laughs) true (laughs) So I wanted to I want to go backtrack again a little bit. You talked about now working uh, at a psych ward. Yes. I got to know about this. See, people want to know about stuff like this. I, take me inside the psych ward.
1: Okay. Hey, so a lot of, well, it's at this point mostly filled with drug addiction patients, that kind of thing that are just so far gone that they can't take care of themselves, and they're out walking the street. They are, it's mostly meth in Vegas. I don't know if it's the same in other cities, but I mean, meth and marijuana, there seems to be something about the combination that will make you go into psychosis. Oh, wow. Um, I see it all the time, but um, there's, you know, a lot of the homeless population is in there for a little bit too. And then there's some people that actually need like an acute setting, people that go through a tough situation and they're suicidal or they just have an um, emotional breakdown, whatever. And they need they need that support for, typically people in there like for like a week. It's not a long-term psych facility. Vegas doesn't even have those. But right. yeah, it's, it's mostly people that are either drug addicts and abusing the system or people that actually need the services. Hmm. So,
0: is it a scary place you find, or is it it not?
1: It can be. I mean, there's violent people in there. They hit staff, and I don't know. Somebody got stabbed a few months ago in Vegas. Jeez, man. Mental health, text. I think, but I don't really stay on the floor too much. Mm -hmm. I get to go do mostly paperwork, so I don't feel in danger. But I'm. I also know how to deal with people, and I really take that seriously. In a setting like that, like I can, right. I can be very calming. I will give someone direct eye contact and let them know that I'm paying attention to them. Whereas I think other people kind of forget that it's a dangerous place. And just more lackadaisical about it, I guess. So, mm-hmm. I mean, people do get punched in the face. The doctor got punched in the face uh, maybe a month ago. Wow. <clears throat> and everyone was upset about that and they kind of had to change some policies around some of the violent patients and just getting them out of there pretty quickly, wherever they send them to jail. Sometimes they just put them right back on the street, which is not good, but
2: yeah. Right.
1: It's, it's interesting. That's being in Las Vegas and being in a psych facility is like the, the craziest shit you'll ever see, I guess.
0: I'm sure. What is it? What is it about the direct eye contact? I felt like that was a point of emphasis when you said that.
1: When you look someone in the eye, they know that you're being present with them. They know that you have your, they have your attention and that you're literally focused on them. Like, like I'm here with you, dude. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm treating you like another human being right now. Even oh, even though you're locked up and you don't have any rights at the moment, like I'm still here in this room with you. And, you know, some of the, I think some of the staff can sometimes be disrespectful. So mm-hmm. just because they think they're better than other people that are going through shit. Yeah. But I, I never treat them like that. Like they're human. Right. They're going through their own shit. Like we all do. They're just on a different level at the moment.
0: Right. So, That's totally true.
1: I've never gotten attacked. Um, but like I said, I take it seriously. Um, it's not just like a, a silly hospital job or something. I don't know. I, I just don't think a lot of people understand what they're getting into when they go into the psych field, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I have a lot of compassion and love for those people. You know, they're going through oh. difficult times and if people are going to be there, I, you know, I've seen people talking shit and just joking around, making fun of them. And I'm, I'm like, I will not have that hey yeah. I've seen people lose their jobs over that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a mess. We'll say
2: that.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. I think, you know, when people think about a psych ward, they think about some movie or something that they saw, you know, or you know, the worst possible situation and, but there are people just hurting, struggling yeah. uh, and it just, like you said, different level. Mm-hmm. I think kind of the theme is, you know, it's like you said, it's people are going through difficult times and it can, is part of life. Now, some of it's more extreme than others,
2: right.
0: but you know, the struggling is an aspect of life on some level.
1: Definitely. It
0: just, it, it just is. But you
1: think, I mean, you think about it here too, in the city where, Drugs are everywhere and, you know, people get their disability check and they go gamble it because that's easy. That's two seconds away. You know, there's, there's a lot of instability and just shit in this town. If you're not careful, right. That You can fall into traps,
0: I guess. I just imagine like, you know, when, when I used to live in Vegas and I would always imagine like when, and I used to live right on the edge of Summerlin and I used to think like, man what kind of crazy shit's happening on the strip right now?
2: Yeah all the right
0: time. right
2: <laughs>
0: Like somebody probably dies almost every day there It's got to be something you know
1: like I think it's more than the news portrays they don't want to seriously they don't want to take a look at that because there are people that jump off the balconies because they just lost all their money like what the news doesn't really tra- talk
0: about that. That's crazy make- I didn't hear that jeez. yeah wow wow i mean thank you putting people in an you're you're in an environment that is this hyper stimulated environment at all times at all times of the day night and i remember like i stayed out late one time i remember i went i went clubbing at studio 54 back when they had it there and i stayed out all night my wife and i stayed out all night and i never forget this like we were we were walking out and we saw this guy in like a suit at like 4 a.m. walking around. He just looked like garbage. <laughs> like like he had been run over by a truck, but he was wearing a suit. And I said, that's Las Vegas. I was <laughs> like. Yeah. You know, you're in some weird Denny's at like 5 a.m. And it's like the strangest place you've ever been in your life. You know, it's just like, man, Definitely. this is nasty. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> And I told myself, I said, I'm never staying out that late again. Because when you're out really late at those times in the morning, it's, a, it's the worst of the worst, baddest of the bad, man. You know? I agree. I'm like, I'm a happy hour guy now. <laughs> 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 I'm hanging out with a bunch of old guys, you know? <laughs> just like tired of like, they got tired of hanging out too. So you just, you know, you hit it hard from like 3 p.m. to 9. And you're like, game over, done. In yeah. bed by 10. Bed by 10, and everything's good. You know, it's just, it's really crazy out there. So, you know, I commend you for all the work you're doing and and trying to help people because there's a lot of people that are hurting out there.
1: Yeah, it's a trip. (laughs) But there are some good souls out here, definitely.
0: Of course. Of course. Definitely. So, what's the future? For you, if you, if you could line it up and nothing goes how we plan generally, but if you could line it up, what do you, where do you see, where would you want it to go in your career?
1: Where would I want it to go? I want to continue to grow my practice, but I want to also go more towards like phone sessions so I can work with people around the country, maybe around the world too. Mm -hmm. And I also want to continue with like this more energy work and spiritual stuff as well. And I like incorporating that too because it's been effective for me. Like I've learned a lot from doing energy work and meditation and that kind of thing that has been a life changer for me. So I want to maybe teach more people kind of those things on how to create more peace in their own lives. Yeah. Just trying new things too. Like some people think energy work is weird or they don't know what it is but it's so freaking relaxing and like people come into my office all tense and anxious and upset. And then, you know, I might, they basically lay on a table and I work on their aura, their chakras. I don't even know if you know what that is, but Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it totally changes them. They're like smiling and relaxed when they leave. And it's, yeah, we'll forget to even take 20 minutes out of their day to relax. Of course. So I I enjoy teaching people to do that because that'll change your life.
0: For sure. You know, there's a, there's, that's, that's a deep hole to go down too, because, um, I I could tell you, you know, one of the, I mean, I had a variety of reasons for why I moved, but, um, I tell you the environment was one of the bigger reasons also why I moved out of Las Vegas because I wanted something that felt more centering environmentally, um, for my family, for me and um i think this its a big thing you know what you're around nature a little bit more i mean not that there's there's, there's nature in vegas it's just very different you know it's it's more desert you know type of thing and i don't know I, I never felt that connected to it whereas here in washington state you know i'm around water every second of the day i swear and see glaciers in the background it changes how you think and how you feel definitely you know, you know, you go to Colorado and stuff like that, you know, and you see the difference, I'm sure. You know, I mean. Even just like the
1: energy there, like when you're, I'm sure where you're at, it's just calming. You know, it's, it's not, calming. You know, your plane lands in Vegas and everyone's all like jacked up and it's like just yep. intense, crazy energy. And it's like in the air even. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. That's another reason I want to do more phone sessions so I can mm-hmm. leave
0: more. <laughs> right. So, you know, there's a rise of remote work so that you don't have to live. I'm a big proponent of this kind of new economy that is, is growing, the, gig, the almost gig economy that is allowing people to live wherever they want to live because they don't have to be defined by a place
2: right.
0: where they're at. And so that people can make decisions to live where they actually want to live versus where their job is telling them where to live for that. And I think that's hurting a lot of people because, I don't know, you know, yeah, there are people who really love the city and stuff and they're into it, but it's not relaxing. It's definitely not relaxing. Oh, not at all. But, you know, I think once you actually get into a place that's more serene and relaxed, it changes something in you. Mm -hmm. And there's this, there's this freedom and this sense of peace on a regular basis. And I think that's really important. There's a whole thing about zip code health and how people's health is greatly defined by the zip code that they live in. It's become a big research emphasis now.
1: Take a look at that.
0: It's really good. This lady, Sarah Dis she, she does that, uh, research and then, um, you know, um, transitional demographics, you know, how people are migrating from different states and things of that nature, you know, less and less people are moving, actually. And they're feeling stuck in their location that they're in. But actually moving and transitioning yourself to different places that give you different perspective is very healthy for people.
1: You know, I feel that, like, in my case, with having a license and how much it's difficult to like switch it by state. I don't know if I right. deal with that, but yeah,
0: no, no, I don't No.
1: Okay. Yeah. So if I move to Colorado, I have to, I basically become an intern again and I have to do more supervision hours and mm-hmm. apply and it's going to take, it's lengthy and it's, I don't, it probably costs money too, to right. get another supervisor and do an internship. And it's like that kind of thing keeps me here.
0: Yeah, the obstacles, right, to it.
1: Because it's like here, you know, I already have my own business. I already did all mm -hmm. that internship and I'm fully licensed and I can move forward. It's like, ah, it was such a pain in the butt. Now I have to go through that again.
0: Yeah, these walls that are up. I mean, it's
1: an excuse, honestly, but it's, it's a big. But it makes you
0: think about it, you know. Speed bump for me. It's a speed bump, right. And then I think a lot of people have speed bumps or gigantic walls. And they're like, listen, I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, yeah. this is what I got. This is what I can do. And you just kind of resign yourself to it. And I think the this new economy and the different more remote work is allowing people to go, you know, I'm just going to live somewhere just because I want to and how it makes me feel living there versus being forced to live in a place or because you grew up there the rest the, your whole life or something, you know.
1: Cause your
0: family's there, your family's there and the whole thing. And there's, I just think the zip code health thing and, you know, getting that information out to be, to say, Hey man, maybe where you live is very healthy for you. Or maybe where you live is very stifling, both financially, environmentally, socially, emotionally.
1: Where is this research?
0: <laughs> I have to ask Sarah about it. Okay, Actually, you know what you, you, one, you should listen to her podcast. I just released it yesterday. Okay. So it's all my thing, and then two, I can just connect you guys, and you guys to have a very lively conversation. You know, talk to people. Perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> Perfect. And uh, she would. She's a. She's just like a well of information awesome. related to transitional demographics, and uh, just different. It's just really cool stuff. And I think that um, you know, there's lots of people who are trying to actually get this information out and say, hey, listen, where you live greatly impacts your well-being, tremendously. I totally agree. (laughs) Right? And nobody's talking about it. Everybody, oh, this and that, you know, blah, blah. But it's like a huge, it was one of the big things for me. I mean, I had a decision to move to the East Coast,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. stay in Vegas with my new business, or move up here to Washington. And uh, I was so drawn towards this place and the beauty and the majesty and the magical nature of it. I said, I got to have that in my life. I need to have that more than I need to have other things and, and to be close to my business partner and to have my family be happy. I tremendously think your zip code is a gigantic part of your health. And uh, we need to, I think the word needs to get out more often. People need to get educated about it and then try to at least if they don't want to be where they're at, develop a plan, something that you can do to kind of transition where you're at to somewhere else. If that's what you desire. Yeah.
2: I agree. I think I'm so. going to
0: link you up with Sarah. Yeah, I think you guys will have a very lively, interesting conversation. Yeah, you know? Sounds good to me. Well, I appreciate your time, Natalie. I always enjoy speaking with you. You, you get right to the point. You have very good good information. And uh, I think it will be very beneficial to anybody who listens to this. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's
1: been a really good time.
0: I will speak to you another time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Okay.